Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Brexit podcast. I'm your host, Shalina Poffenberger. Today, we're going to be talking about Northern Ireland and how the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland will operate post-Brexit. In October last year, the UK and the EU agreed the Northern Ireland Protocol, which is intended to prevent a hard border on the island of Ireland, while also allowing the UK to manage an independent trade policy. The protocol will come into effect on the 1st of January 2021, irrespective of whether a trade deal has been agreed between the EU and the UK. But as yet, the detail of how the protocol will be implemented and what that will mean in practical terms for businesses is extremely limited. And I have to confess that I've had to do some studying up on the history of Northern Ireland, the Good Friday Agreement, and how this extraordinarily important part of the United Kingdom is the most challenging aspect of Brexit. And I've had some really energetic conversations with my Northern Irish colleagues about how Northern Ireland might be positioned advantageously as the connecting point between Great Britain and the European Union. So with the clock running down to the end of the transition period, I'm joined remotely today by colleagues Kara Haffey, leader for deals in Northern Ireland, and David Armstrong, a strategy and economics partner, to discuss the implications of the Northern Ireland protocol and the complexity, the costs, and the commercial opportunities for business. So Kara, if I could come to you first, Brexit itself is obviously a very complex issue, but the relationship between Great Britain, Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, and therefore the rest of the EU seems even more complicated. Can you kick us off in explaining what makes Brexit more complex for Northern Ireland? Well, Shalina, that's a big question without going deep into politics or history, which would take much longer than this podcast. Um, In overall terms, we're on the same island as the EU, and many wanted to avoid a border in the Irish Sea as well. So there's a really increased complexity of doing business as a result of both of those um, borders to negotiate and some new rules to think about. So really for us, the complexity is around um, customs and actually what is going to apply. What are the declarations that businesses are going to have to fill in? Will that be for everything? Is it just for at-risk goods? And you know, what are the practicalities of that? We've been speaking with clients, particularly on their IT and systems improvements. A lot of clients have been working for a very long time, going certainly across the whole island of Ireland without having to do anything. Um, And literally, you can drive across the border at the moment and you would hardly know you've changed um, into the EU. So you can imagine in terms of the complexity of that suddenly becoming something that you need paperwork or checks for. So, um, you know, a lot of our associations and the retail consortiums, transport associations in um, this province have really been calling for clarity on checks, on tariffs, on security on, and on transit. You know, we all have been going through um, a focus on COVID and the pandemic. It's had a severe economic impact across um, Ireland, across the UK, across um, really a lot of the world. But that has meant that we're just in this point where complex business readiness window is just so short. I can hardly believe it is August as I'm speaking um, and it is such a short window now to be ready, upskilled and knowledgeable about what needs to happen. So Kara, that's a pretty long list. Um, When you've spoken to your clients, what are they seeing as most disruptive to their business? Really, I can summarize that in a kind of paperwork. I think it's the red tape and the overall complexity. Businesses love certainty. They love to know what they need to do, whether they dislike it or like it. Um, Actually, they'll get on with it. We've seen that through COVID-19 and how people have just got on with things and learnt new new words, learnt new forms, learnt new tax regimes. But um, really, people are worried about red tape systems and paperwork. 
One of the things I did want to bring up, though, was also, you know, a deep concern that I have personally and, you know, as a mother of children who um, live here, you know, what does it mean for the consumer in Northern Ireland over the next few years? You know, if there is an increase of cost and administration, how do we ensure that um, Northern Ireland has the same choice in affordability after January 21 as we currently enjoy? And really trying to help businesses understand how they do that in their supply chains is going to be really important. You know, we've heard really recently um, of some retailers voicing very strong concerns about the cost implications. And the example being given is that composite delivery for supermarkets, which everyone can imagine the lorry with everything on it. And actually, how does that get checked? And, you know, which of those items are going to be the kind of at risk items for customs and things that, um, you know, the authorities care about? Timing is so tight, but it's all crucially important. And I think, you know, really thinking about how we help business to work through all these pieces is what the government and ourselves need to be dealing with. Well, that's such an important concern, Kara, and I absolutely, absolutely understand. Um, so with the, this added complexity and with the additional concerns of doing business in Northern Ireland, could you tell us a bit more about what some of the specific costs for businesses might be? Yeah, I think I've touched on, you know, some of the more obvious ones. So tariffs and checks and kind of declarations. I think business see that as a cost they could potentially, you know, sort of calculate or see when it comes, you know, what is that kind of declaration going to cost them with their transport and logistics administrators. But really, there's the, the more fundamental point on people costs for doing these things and the IT costs for setup. So, you know, you start to really think about this into a level of granularity and you really start thinking about how much um, that will be. Some of it, you know, is setup costs. So it's one off and people could argue, well, that's a one off cost. It's not for the future. But, you know, we've just gone through COVID-19 profitability is really difficult at the minute. People are already, you know, at a point in time where it's been very difficult in business. So people are really looking at all these costs and they add up very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, for us, it's really just around how do we kind of help clients? What training should be put in? And how do we think about um, how people can kind of go forward and have the IT systems to really make sure this is all digitalized and that this can be something as such like the press of a button would be everybody's kind of um, place of nirvana that, that would help us all to understand what goes forward. I think the other thing to consider and maybe is always for forgotten about in these conversations is exchange rate considerations in cost as well. Um, you know, we've seen different at different points in time in the province that, you know, the difference between um, the exchange rate in the EU and the Republic and then the exchange rate in Northern Ireland and Stirling can make a very considerable difference, particularly in the border areas. So therefore, I also see that as a consideration um, as how the currency fluctuates as we come out of the EU and then go forward. And let me ask David, would you anticipate this will put Northern Ireland based firms at a competitive disadvantage to their GB based competitors? Selena, I, I wouldn't want to be uh, I wouldn't want to be naive in answering that question. I think the complexity and the cost that Cara has out, has outlined are absolutely writ large over the business mindset at the moment. But there's a third C for me, which is competitiveness. And uh, there's something in all of this that I think it's incumbent on us to try and identify what the opportunity in this for the business community is. 
I mean, as a PwC partner, Selena, I'm often asked, what's your unique selling point, your USP? And typically I say, oh, well, we've got a great team and we've got great skills or we've a great methodology or whatever. And sometimes those are like quite unique things and sometimes they're not because other people can perfectly easily say similar things. But for me, we have a unique position in relation to Northern Ireland in the context of Brexit, because we're the only part of the UK, as Cara says, it shares a land border with the EU, but is thoroughly part of the UK. That is a genuinely unique position. And as I've read the business press over the last few months, you know, I've sort of come across things like, oh, let's try to become the Singapore of the Western Hemisphere, or we've heard businesses talking about like Northern Ireland as a duty-free bridgehead into the EU and having unfettered access to the UK, but frictionless trade with the EU. There's opportunity in all of that. And whilst we wouldn't want to be naive, we'll have to take the deal, we'll have to create the deal uh, between the, the UK and the EU, it's incumbent on us all to use our imagination and to sort of lean in and show leadership and try and eke out some positives from what's uh, clearly a very difficult and challenging situation. So, David, are you saying it is more piggy in the middle or best of both worlds? As I say, I don't want to be naive about the challenges. They're absolutely there and we need to work through them. So there is a risk that we come piggy in the middle and everything goes south. But there's also an opportunity that somehow we can craft it so that we have the best of both worlds. I don't have a silver bullet answer to that at the moment, but I have a clear sense as somebody who's been in the business community for the last 30 years in Northern Ireland, that if we lent into that, and uh, showed a wee bit of leadership, both from the business community and political leadership, we could maybe create something. David and Kara, thank you both for joining us today. It's been really insightful, and I appreciate your sharing your very personal perspectives on Brexit in Northern Ireland. It is much more than just a business issue, although it does still feel like we've barely scratched the surface of what it means for businesses operating and trading in Northern Ireland. There will certainly be increased complexity and costs of doing business across a potential customs border, but there may also emerge some competitive advantages that are just waiting to be shaped. It's also clear that we don't yet have enough detail on the practical implications of the protocol, so it's important to stay informed about developments and make plans for the changes that will be coming from 1st of January 2021. As we edge closer to the end of trade negotiations, we hope to be back next with the shape of a trade deal or what no trade deal might mean for the UK's future trading relationship with the EU. For all the most up-to-date information, please visit www.pwc.co.uk forward slash Brexit. That's all for now. Thanks for joining and stay safe, everyone.